بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله على محمد وآله الطاهرين السلام عليكم brothers and sisters and welcome to another episode of the life of Prophet Muhammad where we've been exploring in elaborate detail the life of the messenger from the pre-Islamic era and we aim to examine and study his life up until uh, the day of his demise. Now, we've been speaking about some of the most important events that took place in the life of the Prophet ﷺ before the commencement of his prophetic mission at the age of 40. And we spoke about the Prophet's activism in his 20s. We spoke about the type of work that he did, uh, his interactions with uh, his, his uncle, his trips to Syria uh, during the uh, the trading expeditions. And, you know, arguably one of the most important incidents in the life of the Prophet before his prophetic mission is uh, his marriage to Khadija alayhi salam. Now, who, who was Khadija? Now, Khadija, of course, she is the daughter of Khuwaylid. She was a resident of Mecca, and she belonged to the same tribe as the Prophet. So she belongs to the tribe of Quraysh. And in fact, uh, on the screen, you could see that, uh, you know, I, I, we have Khadija's pedigree. When, when you look at her ancestral line, you see that Khadija and the Prophet are related. You know, so Khadija's father is Khuwaylid whose father is Asad, whose father is Abdul Uzza, whose father is Qusay. So you see that Khadija and the Prophet ﷺ, they share a common ancestor about, you know, four to five generations, uh, uh, you know, back. So they're from the same tribe and they are distantly uh, related uh, to one another. Now Khadija was held in high esteem by the Meccans uh, because of her exemplary character and her business savviness. And I think that this is something that's remarkable considering that Khadija السلام, is living in a world uh, which is uh, you know, toxically misogynistic. And it's a world where if you're female, you're lucky to survive. And when you examine the biography of Khadija, you see that not only did she survive in that world, but she actually flourished. And she commanded the respect of her people. And in the same way that the Prophet ﷺ had a reputation for his noble character, we know that even before he began his prophetic mission, the Meccans, the Quraysh, those who knew him, they gave him the honorific titles of As-Sadiq Al-Amin, the, the truthful one, the trustworthy one. Similarly, Khadija السلام, also uh, was renowned for her noble character to the extent that she was called Al-Tahira, the pure one. And again, this is significant, especially considering that, you know, 
that you know the in Mecca and and the surrounding regions you know some women were 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 not known for their uh for their modesty and uh and their decency so in that culture you see where you know oftentimes where where relations between the opposite genders are a bit loose you see that she preserves her her modesty and her dignity and she becomes known for uh for who no, for her nobility and she's she's recognized as and she's given the title of al-tahira she was also known uh, you know because of her business savviness she was known as amiratu tujar the princess of the merchants she was uh, a successful businesswoman and you know she inherited money uh, from her father and she basically turned that inheritance into a fortune uh, because of her uh, her business acumen now whenever the caravans left mecca or returned to mecca people noted that the caravan of khadija was larger in volume she had more goods and more merchandise than all of the other caravans combined so you know this is a woman who it would she would be the equivalent of someone who's running you know a multi-billion dollar company today so so she her caravans were known as being the largest her business generated the the uh, the greatest uh, revenue but she always she always maintained that humility and that decency and that purity and uh, and she was respected uh, by all of her peers in fact you know despite the fact even though she controlled this uh, this she was at the helm of this business she she would not mix and mingle with men you know she would appoint agents to conduct her business for her and therefore you see that even though she is the wealthiest uh, she doesn't brush shoulders with men in the marketplaces uh, she's able to to generate uh, you know astronomical revenue and really manage uh, her business uh, from afar now when the prophet sallallahu alaihi when muhammad sallallahu alaihi was 25 years old his uncle abu talib suggested to khadija because you know the families knew each other he suggested to khadija that she should consider making muhammad sallallahu alaihi her partner her business partner in one of her caravans which was preparing to leave uh, for syria now incidentally we find that Khadija was actually in need she was looking for someone to manage uh, the caravan of goods that was preparing to leave Mecca for Syria so the timing was perfect and uh, Khadija extends the offer to the Prophet not to be uh, her employee but rather to be her business partner so it was a it was a partnership it was a mudaraba between the Prophet and Khadija. Now Khadija, she appoints her servant. She had a servant by the name of Maysara. And she 
requests Maysara to accompany the Prophet as his aid uh, during this uh, this trading uh, expedition. So the trading expedition to Syria, when you look at uh, the historical accounts, you find that that particular trip where the Prophet was managing the caravan of Khadija as a partner generated unprecedented profits. That was the most lucrative uh, commercial expedition uh, in Khadija's business uh, career. Now during this journey, the Prophet took a similar route uh, to the route that uh, he would take with his uncle when he was younger. You know, if, if you recall, this is not the first time the Prophet makes this journey to Syria. He was familiar with the routes to Syria. And when Maysara was with him, you know, they took the same routes that he would take when he was younger with Abu Talib. And they stopped at Busra, which is a village that is near Damascus. At that village, you find that there is a Christian monk, Nestor, who observes the, the Prophet ﷺ. He observes Muhammad from afar, and he confides in Maysara that this young merchant, you know, because the Prophet was, you know, in his mid twenties, you know, maybe maybe twenty four years old at the time, twenty five years old, he says to him that this young merchant, this young man is destined to be a prophet. So you see that you have a number of Christian monks, you have a number of people from different faith traditions that observe certain signs in the Prophet that indicate to them that this is the promised messenger of God that we find, that we read about in our scriptures. And you know they note that they would always see this cloud uh, shielding him and protecting him from the rays of the sun, among among the other signs that they saw. Now, upon returning to Mecca, Maysara uh, tells Khadija uh, about the the enormous profits that they were able to make, and he also tells her about Nestor's prediction, the prediction of the uh, the Christian monk, and of course Khadija found this to be intriguing. Now Khadija's cousin, her paternal cousin, Waraka ibn Nawfal, uh, who was a Christian himself, she shares with him the story that, uh, that Maysara shared with her, and he actually corroborated the monk's prophecy. He says that there is something special and unique about this young man. Among the things that uh, Maysara mentions, so when Maysara returns, you know, uh, he's basically debriefing uh, Khadija, giving her kind of a, uh, uh, a report about what he saw, about what happened uh, during the trip. One of the things that he notes about the Prophet ﷺ is that he says that this Muhammad is the most truthful man I've ever met in my entire life. He's a man of great integrity, meaning that this money that he was able to make, he did not generate this revenue. He didn't, he didn't make these sales because he was manipulative. 
or because he omitted the truth. He was truthful, he was honest, and he was able, everything that he touched had barakah. So he highlights the, the truthfulness and the integrity of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa And this is really a rare quality in, in business, you know, among merchants. You know, we know, you know, from our own experiences that, you know, uh, that businessmen, that, that sales, salesmen sometimes, you know, if they don't lie, they might Im- omit the truth, they might embellish. But Maysara says that, that Muhammad, I observed him and he is, you know, uh, he, has, uh, he is a man of impeccable character, a man of truthfulness, a man of honesty, and he does not cheat anyone. He never omits the, uh, the truth. Now when Khadija hears this, she hears the, the, the prophecies uh, from, uh, about the, the Christian monk. When she, when she hears from Maysara certain aspects of his noble character, and she sees that on top of all of that, he, he brings back astronomical prophets. So Khadija alayhi salam, she offers the Prophet a rate that uh, she, she basically offered him double the rate that she would give to those who typically worked for her. So upon seeing the astronomical prophets Muhammad sallallahu yielded for her, Khadija offered him twice the rate that she would give to others who worked with her. But of course, the Prophet ﷺ refuses to take anything other than uh, the standard rate. You see that the Prophet ﷺ does not want to be uh, given preferential treatment even when he deserves it. So again, you see glimpses of, this, uh, of the magnanimous character of this man. That even when he's deserving of it, he insists on uh, receiving the standard rate. So the Prophet ﷺ, he takes his earnings and he does something else that's noble. So it's his money that he generates, but he gives it to Abu Talib. Why does he do that? Because Abu Talib was experiencing some financial hardships, potentially because of the, the droughts. He also had you know, a lot of children, a lot of mouths to feed. So the, the Prophet ﷺ really looked to Abu Talib as a father figure. And you know, as, as a dutiful son would do when he sees that his father is in, is in need, he hands over uh, all of his earnings to Abu Talib ﷺ. Now, when Abu Talib senses that the, he could see the way that the Prophet is talking about Khadija. He notices the way Khadija speaks about the Prophet. You know, being a man of, of high emotional intelligence, Abu Talib senses that there is an attraction between Khadija and Muhammad. And he actually recommends Rasulullah, he recommends his nephew to pursue a marital relationship with Khadija. You know, she is a woman of, of great dignity. She's a pious woman. And she's a perfect match for you. Meaning that you, you, you both come 
from noble families, you are both people of noble character, and you work well together, among, you know, the other, uh, you know, uh, points of attraction. Now, of course, the Prophet ﷺ did not uh, go, go and propose to her, perhaps, you know, because he was shy, because, you know, he felt that, you know, she, you know, uh, she, she occupied a very high uh, economic uh, status. For whatever reason, the Prophet ﷺ does not actively pursue the relationship. And, and of course, you see that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and throughout the life of the Prophet, he always puts him in a position of, you know, of the highest dignity where, you know, he's not the one who is, uh, who's pursuing. So Khadija, she, she's attracted uh, to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi and she decides to be proactive. Instead of waiting for the marriage proposal to come to her, she sends Nufaysa, one of her servants, to propose to Muhammad on her behalf. And of course, this is something that is that shatters the uh, the cultural norms of the time. So you see that you see the boldness. Of Khadija, she 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 sees uh, something unique about this man, and she doesn't wait for him to propose. She takes it upon herself to propose through her her servant. So you see again the modesty of Khadija. She doesn't just go up to the prophet. Not that that would negate her modesty, but she does it through uh, an intermediary. Now, of course, the, the Prophet accepts uh, the proposal, so there is an interest on both sides. And the wedding ceremony, uh, shortly after the proposal, the marriage, uh, the wedding ceremony is, is organized. And this is a narration from Imam al-Sadiq where he gives us some detail about the, the wedding ceremony. So the riwayah is from Imam al-Sadiq and Abi Abdullah salam, and this narration is mentioned in Al-Kafi. I'll give you the exact volume and page. So Imam al-Sadiq, he says, لَمَّا أَرَادَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ أَنْ يَتَزَوَّجَ خَدِيجَةَ بِنْتَ خُوَيْلِدْ أَقْبَلَ أَبُوْ طَالِبٍ when the Messenger of God wanted to marry Khadija bint Khuwaylid, Abu Talib proceeded with his household and some prominent members of the Quraysh So they reached the home of Waraqa ibn Nawfal. So the, the wedding ceremony took place in the house of Waraqa, the, the cousin of Khadija, who was the, the Christian monk. And Abu Talib, he initiated the, the conversation. So there was an acceptance from both sides, but now they're kind of going through uh, some of the formalities. And Abu Talib, he walks in with uh, his family members. There are other prominent members of Quraysh. 
He walks in, everyone is seated, and then Abu Talib begins to speak. So what does he say? Imam al-Sadiq, he quotes uh, Abu Talib. So this is basically the, the, the speech that he gives uh, at the wedding ceremony, the khutbah of the, the nikah. فَقَالَ الْحَمْدُ لِرَبِّ هَذَا الْبَيْتِ Praise is for the Lord of the Kaaba. الَّذِي جَعَلَنَا مِنْ زَرْعِ إِبْرَاهِيمِ وَذُرِّيَّةَ إِسْمَعِيلِ وَأَنْزَلْنَا حَرَمًا آمِنًا وَجَعَلْنَا الْحُكَّامَ عَلَى النَّاسِ وَبَارَكَ لَنَا فِي بَلَدِنَا الَّذِي نَحْنُ فِي Abu Talib says, he begins his speech by saying, Praise is for the Lord of the Kaaba, who made us among the offspring of Ibrahim and the descendants of Ismail and placed us in this safe sanctuary and made us rulers over people and blessed us in this city in which we live. He then says, ثُمَّ إِنَّ ابْنَ أَخِي هَذَا Furthermore, this nephew of mine, meaning the Messenger of Allah, Rasulullah And I want you to listen very carefully to the way that Abu Talib describes the Prophet. And I want you to ask yourself sincerely, does this sound like a man who died rejecting the nubu'ah of Rasulullah? So he says, He says, ثُمَّ إِنَّ ابْنَ أَخِي هَذَا مِمَّا لَا يُوزَنُوا بِرَجُلٍ مِنْ قُرَيْشٍ إِلَّا رَجَحَ This nephew of mine is a man who if measured against any man of Quraysh would tip the balance. Meaning that he's superior to any man from Quraysh. وَلَا يُقَاسُ بِهِ رَجُلٌ إِلَّا عَظُمَعًا My nephew, if he is compared not just to Quraysh, to any man, would prove to be greater. And then what does he say? وَلَا عِدْلَ لَهُ فِي الْخَلْقِ So not only is he the best of Quraysh, not only is he better than all other men, Abu Talib says, no match has he among God's creations, among God's creatures. So here is a testimony, a statement from Abu Talib. This is 15 years before the Prophet's Ba'tha, where he says that, he essentially is saying that my nephew is Sayyidul Khalq. وَإِنْ كَانَ مُقِلًّا فِي الْمَالِ So no match has he among God's creatures, though he is poor in wealth. Now, he might not have the financial resources, but do not let his, the scarcity of his wealth fool you into thinking that he is not the greatest of God's creatures. And then Abu Talib speaks about wealth, essentially saying that wealth is not a determinant of a person's value. فَإِنَّ الْمَالَ رَفْدٌ جَارٌ but, but then wealth comes and goes. وَظِلٌ زَائِدٌ Wealth is a fleeting shadow. 
وَلَهُ فِي خَدِيجَةَ رَغْبَةً وَلَهَا فِيهِ رَغْبَةً He says there is an attraction between Khadija and Muhammad and Muhammad and Khadija. He wants Khadija and Khadija wants him. وَقَدْ جِئْنَاكَ لِنَخْطُبَهَا إِلَيْكَ بِرِضَاهَا وَأَمْرِهَا وَالْمَهْرُ عَلَيَّ فِي مَالِ الَّذِي سَأَلْتُمُوهُ عَاجِلُهُ وَآجِلُهُ Abu Talib he then says, Thus we have come to ask you, her guardian, you know, presumably her uncle, for her hand at her pleasure and request. Meaning that we are here because she wanted to marry. She proposed to the Prophet. And they both are interested in marriage. And Abu Talib, he says, the bridal gift which you have demanded, that which is due immediately and that which is due later, is on me to be paid. Abu Talib says that I will cover the mahar from my wealth, from my holdings. And then Abu Talib says, وَرَبِّ هَذَا الْبَيْتِ He swears by Allah, the Lord of the Kaaba. وَرَبِّ هَذَا الْبَيْتِ حَظٌ وَلَهُ وَرَبِّ هَذَا الْبَيْتِ حَظٌ عَظِيمٌ وَدِينٌ شَائِعٌ وَرَأْيٌ كَامِلٌ by the Lord of this house, by the Lord of Kaaba, this nephew of mine, he has great promise, a piety that is well known. He is known as a man of God, a man of righteousness, and an insight that is mature. He is, he is a man of basira. And then Imam al-Sadiq says, ثُمَّ سَكَتَ أَبُوْ طَالِبُ then Abu Talib became silent. He, he, he finished his speech. Then Khadija's uncle, who was essentially her, her guardian, her, her uncle Amr, he tried to speak, but was unable to match the eloquence and the beauty of Abu Talib's words. So Khadija stepped in and she said to him, Ya Amma, innaka wa in kunta awla bi nafsi minni fi shuhud, falastu awla bi min nafsi. She says, Oh uncle, while you are my guardian when I am absent, you are not my guardian when I am present. It seems that maybe the uncle said something that he was trying to make the the uh, the marriage proceedings co more complicated than they than, than they needed to be, and Khadija basically intervenes and says that you know I'm here, no you don't need to speak on my behalf. I can speak for myself. And she says, Muhammad nafsi," that I hereby marry myself to you, O Muhammad. And then what does she say? I propose to you, and I want to pay the mahar to you. And the bridal gift is on me. Don't worry about the mahar. This is the same Khadija where the most wealthy businessmen in Arabia, they, they were begging her to accept their proposals. Here Khadija proposes to the Prophet ﷺ, and she says that the mahar is on me. 
the mahar is on me and this is why you see that after the death of Khadija in the seventh year after the hijrah you see that when the prophet is given fedak after conquering khaybar as a settlement from the jewish tribes the quran commands rasulullah to give fedak to fatima and one of the reasons why he does this is that he says to fatima that this is to to uh, this is to repay your mother for the mahar that she paid and for her service to islam and since you are the only surviving descendant of khadija it belongs to you so khadija السلام, says that the the bridal gift is on me so here you see khadija السلام, she challenges some of the the cultural norms number one she proposes number two she says i'll t- i'll take care of the mahar which is something that's unheard of and then she says fa'mur ammaka falyanhar naqatan falyulim biha so so this is uh, perhaps the uncle the guardian of khadija who says please re- he says to the prophet please request your uncle to slaughter a camel and make a wedding feast a walima out of it and وَدْخُلْ عَلَىٰ أَهْلِكَ And take up residence with your wife. Abu Talib. He then says, أَشْهَدُ عَلَيْهَا بِقَبُولِهَا مُحَمَّدًا وَضَمَانُهَا وَضَمَانَهَا الْمَهْرُ فِي مَالِهَا Abu Talib says that I bear witness that she, that Khadija, has accepted Muhammad as her husband and assumed the bridal gift on herself. Now, what happens next is interesting. Imam al-Sadiq says, when Khadija says that the bridal gift is on me, some of the Quraysh, some of the men who were attending the, the wedding ceremony, they they make a snide comment. فَقَالَ فَقَالَ بَعْضُ قُرَيْشِ Some of the Quraysh who were in attendance, they said, يَا عَجَبَا How strange is this? الْمَهْرُ عَلَى النِّسَاءِ لِلْرِجَالِ How strange is this? That the mahar, that bridal gifts are now being paid by the woman to the man? This is against our custom. Imam al-Sadiq says, فَغَضِبَ أَبُوْ طَالِبُ when these men were essentially mocking what was happening and they were essentially trying to belittle the Prophet Abu Talib stood he was angry and he stood up Abu Talib is the type of person that is feared when he's angry because Abu Talib is not easily angered he's a person of hilm he's a person of forbearance so when when he hears these comments he stands up and he says in response to those who are poking fun at this uh, the idea that the woman is paying the mahar فَقَالَ إِذَا كَانُوا مِثْلَ بْنَ أَخِي هَذَا 
طلبت الرجال طلبت الرجال بأغلى الأثمان وأعظم المهر. Abu Talib responds to them and he says, "When the man is like my nephew, he is sought after with the most expensive gifts. وَإِذَا كَانُوا وَإِذَا كَانُوا أَمْثَالُكُمْ لَمْ يُزَوِّجُوا إِلَّا بِالْمَهْرِ الْغَالِي." But when the man is like you people, no one marries them unless he gives her the most expensive gifts. Abu Talib is saying that the reason why this is rare is because it is not you. It, it is rare to find someone like Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and he is deserving. He's worth it for a woman to spend whatever she has, so that he can be her husband. So the mahar of this marriage was twelve and a half purses of silver. It was a very simple mahar. And each purse contained 40 dirhams. So 500 dirhams was the mahar for the wedding of Rasulullah and Lady Khadija. And 500 dirhams is basically 500 silver coins. So you see the, the simplicity of the mahar in this blessed marriage and you see it repeated in the blessed marriage of Ali ibn Abi Talib and Fatima al-Zahra, following the example of the Prophet and Khadija. Now, how old was Khadija when she married the Prophet Now, and, and was she married before? Now, in the Sunni tradition, the, Sun, the, the dominant view of Ahlul Sunnah is that Khadija was previously married and she was she was a widow she was previously married and some say that she was married to two men in the past and the prophet is essentially her third husband now in the Shi'i tradition we reject this and Khadija according to the Shi'i view was a virgin when she married the Prophet and and again, not that there's anything wrong if if a woman is a if a, was a widow or a divorcee. The Prophet you know, in his life he married uh, widows. So, it, but we want to examine what the facts are. So, in the Sunni in the, the Sunni view asserts that Khadija was previously married. The Shi'i view argues that she was she was not married before she was a virgin when she married the Prophet. Now her age. Now the common opinion in Muslim circles today, especially among the laity, is that she was 40 years old when she married the Prophet. And you know, oftentimes the marriage of Rasulullah and Khadija is cited as an example where you have a young man marrying an older woman. And of course, Islamically, there's nothing wrong with a younger man marrying an older woman. But the question here is, was Khadija older than the Prophet? Was she 15 years older than the Prophet? Did she die at the age of 65? Now, this opinion was the opinion of Al-Waqidi, who was a Sunni historian, one of the classical scholars 
of the Sunni tradition. He was of the opinion that Khadija was 40 years old when she, uh, when she married the Prophet. However, this is not the view of some of the more prominent Sunni historians and the Sunni Hadith scholars. Now, scholars unanimously agree that the marriage of Rasulullah and Khadija lasted for 25 years. They were married for 25 years before she died. And all ulama also unanimously agree that Rasulullah was 25 years old. So there's no ikhtilaf about the Prophet's age. The Prophet was 25 years old. Everyone agrees. All historians, Sunni scholars, Shia scholars agree Rasulullah was 25. And they all agree that the marriage lasted for 25 years. Now, there are more authentic reports, even in the Sunni tradition, that Khadija was not 40 when she married the Prophet. So, academically speaking, there are a number of issues, there are a number of problems with the assertion that Khadija was... 40 when she married the Prophet. So let me walk you through some important facts. So when we put this puzzle together, we, we, we come to the conclusion that she could not have been 40. For instance, Al-Bayhaqi, a, a Sunni scholar, who in his book, Dala'il al-Nubuwa, Ibn Kathir, in his book, Al-Bidayah wa Nihayah, again, they're... Uh, Sunni classical Sunni historians, they all note, Ibn Kathir, Al-Bayhaqi, and others, they note that Khadija died at the age of 50. Waqidi said 65. But again, Waqidi is not of the same caliber as uh, Ibn Kathir and others. So you have more prominent, more credible Scholars who are of a higher caliber in the Sunni tradition that say Khadija died at 50. Now the prevalent view among historians is that Khadija died in the 10th year after the Ba'tha. She died 10 years after the Prophet began his prophetic mission. So if, according to Ibn Kathir and Bayhaqi and others, if she died at 50 and she, and if she died 10 years after the Prophet began his Bi'tha, we all know that the Prophet was 40 when he began his Bi'tha. So therefore, when you put these three facts together, you find that the more plausible position is that Khadija was the same age as the Prophet. Furthermore, and we'll inshallah get into more detail because there's a dispute among ulama, especially even within uh, among the Shia ulama, about how many children the Prophet had. Was Fatima his only child? It seems, and, and we'll get into more detail about this, it seems that Khadija and Rasulullah, they actually had six children together. And if, if someone argues that Khadija married the Prophet when she was 40, it's, it's highly unlikely that she could have given him that many children uh, uh, if she was at that age. So where does this idea come from that Khadija was this old woman 
uh, who married the prophet. She was 15 years uh, his senior. Now it's possible, again, we don't know for sure, but it's definitely possible that these reports about, the, about Khadija being advanced in her years when she married the Prophet, they could stem from the jealousy that existed uh, among the wives of the Prophet towards Khadija. You know, and again, this is something that's well documented. You know, among the wives of the Prophet, Aisha was definitely uh, envious and jealous of Khadija. In fact, she admits it herself. Here's a tradition from uh, the Musnad of Ahmed ibn Hanbal, and I'll read to you the narration in, in Arabic, and I'll, I'll translate it for you. So the narration is from Aisha. She says, كان النبي صلى الله عليه وآله إذا ذكر خديجة أثنى عليها فأحسن الثناء. She says that كان النبي that the Prophet used to always used to regularly mention and remember Khadija and he would lavishly praise her. He would praise her. قالت فغرت يوما. Khadija says that one day. I became jealous. I just, I, I couldn't take it anymore. I became jealous. Jealous. And she says to the Prophet, ما أكثر ما تذكرها That how, you mention her, how much are you going to mention her? And she says to the Prophet, قَدْ أَبْدَلَكَ اللَّهُ عَزَّ وَجَلْ بِهَا خَيْرًا مِّنْهَا Aisha says to the Prophet, that why you talk about Khadija so much and you praise her, Indeed, God has given you better wives than her. Allah has replaced her with better wives. Some of the narrations say that the Prophet ﷺ became so angry that he turned red. He says to Aisha, "Ma abdalani Allahu azza wa jal khayran minha." He says to Aisha that no, Allah has not given me anyone better than Khadija. She believed in me when other people denied me. And inshallah we'll speak more about this uh, when we speak about the bi'tha and, and how supportive uh, Khadija was. He says that she, she believed in me when others rejected me. She put all of her wealth at my service when other people withheld theirs from me. And Allah Azza wa Jal, He granted me children through her. While I was I have not been granted children who survived at least uh, with other wives. So you see the Prophet ﷺ highlighting that Khadija was the most dear to him, the most beloved to him. And there are certain renditions, there are certain versions of this narration where Aisha actually says that, you know, why do you constantly talk about that old woman? That old woman. So there are reports where Aisha describes her as an old woman. So this gives us a sense that perhaps some of these narrations were fabricated because of the jealous sentiments that some of the wise had uh, towards 
Khadija alayhi salam. Uh, with that, inshallah, we'll uh, conclude our discussion and uh, we'll continue our conversation on the, the life of Prophet Muhammad in our upcoming episodes. Thank you so much for tuning in, brothers and sisters, and I look forward to having you join me on another episode of the life of Prophet Muhammad. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.